Hey there, I'm Amanda Marcotte and this is How to Be a Badass-ish. The truth is, we're all badasses, we just forget. Because we also forget that we're human and sometimes we fall on our face. Join me in celebrating all life's failures because ultimately, that's the only way we grow. Hey guys, it's Amanda. Welcome back to How to Be Badass-ish. Today, I want to talk about sex. And inevitably, if you are a parent, you immediately check to make sure that you either had your earbuds in or that you uh, didn't have it on speaker um, or that your kid wasn't in the car. And if they are... (laughs) or were, then you probably went, okay, we're going to, we're going to pause that one because that's what we do. That's what we are taught. We are taught that sex is taboo. Sex is something you don't talk about. Sex is something that only dirty people enjoy. Like, I mean, all of the things Um, it's fascinating to me. It's super fascinating to me. And there's two reasons why. The first one is because almost everyone does it. And I don't know a single person in my life right now, uh, maybe, maybe a couple, but it was intentional for them that did not lose their virginity. Um, let's say, before the age of 20. Most of the people that I know had lost their virginity before they could vote. So before they turned 18, a majority of the people in my life had uh, started having sex when they were 15, 16, 17 years old. That's kind of across the board. Now, I know that that's changed over the last couple of decades because we pretend like teenagers weren't having sex in the 50s and the dirty girls who couldn't keep their legs closed are the ones that got pregnant and, you know, um, which I'll get to that in a second. Uh, But I, I find it interesting that people have dismissed it and pretend like it doesn't happen for so long that they forgot sex is quite literally why you're here. It's how the entirety of the human race has has come to earth. And the other reason that I find it fascinating and why I want to talk about it today is because of the overt sexuality of women and how, for some reason, that's terrifying. So I get it. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to start this episode today with a little story. So my grandmother was by far one of the most amazing humans on the planet to me. And I remember I had just started my period. I was about 13 years old and I was at my grandma's house and 
I vividly remember there was spaghetti cooking on the stove and the dishwasher was going and my grandpa was listening to something like Wheel of Fortune or 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 Jeopardy or one of those like um those game shows, right? And my grandma is sitting there talking to me and she loved romance novels, which just makes the story even better. And she put her book down and she leans in and she starts asking me all of these very in-depth questions that honestly, a parent should ask their kid the moment they hit puberty. Because as we have already discussed, most people lose their virginity in high school. So if you're trying to postpone having conversations until they're in high school, you're already like two years late. It, it, most definitely, you're al- you're already late to the game, right? Like you've missed the first three innings. Um, so my grandma leans in. I've just started my period. I'm I barely have entered puberty. I'm just now kind of thinking that boys are not disgusting, and maybe I kind of would like to I don't know hold hands with one. I'm sure as shit not thinking about having sex yet, but my grandma. <laughs> takes it upon herself to lean in and say, okay, I need you to tell me, what do you know about gonorrhea? I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And she says, okay, let's, let's forget about that. How about chlamydia? What do you know about chlamydia? And I'm like, grandma, I don't, I don't know what we're talking. I don't know why we're talking about this right now. And she goes, all right, forget about all of the STDs and stuff. Do you know how to put on a condom? And I stopped her and I'm like, grandma, I am not comfortable having this conversation with you right now. And I will never forget the next five seconds of my life. My grandma takes a really big breath. She looks down at the table, laces her fingers, leans in, looks me deadpan in the eye and says the best advice I have ever been given for any situation of my life. And that advice is this. If you can't talk about it, you shouldn't be doing it. Boom, right there. So, okay, that's that's great. When I can talk about it, then I know I am ready to do it. My mom was horrified horrified when she found out that my grandmother had had that kind of sex talk with me. And my mom was just like, I I can't, I don't understand why, why do you have these types of conversations with her? Because then it's embarrassing to me. She knows all of this information. And my grandma stops and she goes, exactly. She has the information or she knows where to find it. She knows she can come to me to get the information. She's not searching for it by another ignorant, stupid 13-year-old that thinks a tampon is how you lose your virginity, right? So, (laughs) brilliant, brilliant woman. Now, to precedence this even, to set the precedence even farther, when I was about five years old, I asked my grandma how a baby was born. And she said to me, well, how do you think a baby is born? And I gave her my five-year-old answer. And she said, you know... I don't think that that is correct, but I have a place that we can look and check. And she had a medical encyclopedia. And I remember sitting down and it was in very detailed illustrations. And I was 
fascinated. I was grossed out, but fascinated, right? And she gave this book to me and she said, this is a medical encyclopedia. This is written by doctors for doctors. So this will answer your questions. If you have more questions, you can come ask me. And she walked away. She walked away so that I could look and learn by myself from a trusted, knowledgeable resource. And so that day at five years old, I learned how a baby was born from conception to crowning. Thank you, medical doctor illustrators, for being so detailed. Fast forward a couple of months, and my brother, who was seven years older than me, brought home his first girlfriend. So I'm six-ish, right, by this point, and my brother is 13, um, first girlfriend. She sits down on the couch, and I am still six, and I said to her, do you know how a baby is born And she looks at me like, oh my God, there's no way I'm going to have this conversation with my boyfriend, probably first ever boyfriend's little sister. Like, I'm not going to have this conversation. So she adamantly puts her hands up. She goes, no, 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 I have, I have no idea. So me being me with the personality that I have, I go and find my grandmother's medical encyclopedia and I sit my butt down next to this poor 13-year-old girl and explain to her in great detail from conception to crowning exactly how a baby was born because this was information I thought she needed to know. Now, this is a really funny story from multiple aspects, but there's, there's a point, there's a truth to this that is so profound and the problem numero uno of of not talking about sex especially with our kids who want us to give them the correct information so that they're not discovering at 16 years old when they don't use a condom that guess what you can actually get pregnant after just one time um that's like worst case scenario. But but here's, here's the sad part about it is as a six-year-old, I asked this person who was supposed to be my elder, I genuinely understood my brother was a boy, she was a girl, and if they had sex, then they were going to get pregnant. I understood that and I wanted to make sure she understood that. So The sad part about it, I mean, it's super funny, but the sad part about it is that talking about sex was so taboo that this girl completely freaked out that I was asking her this question. When if, if we could have these conversations about literally how the human race exists as a whole, because you can't get a human from a cheetah. (sighs) If, if we could talk about it on an open level, that 13-year-old girl, who knows, maybe her and my brother would have gotten married and he wouldn't have passed away and gone down that dark road. I, I don't know. But she felt like it would be wrong to say, yes, I do. Do you know? Do you, do you need to know? Have you asked your mom if you need to know? No, she just shut down. My husband told me when he was getting the quote unquote sex talk, which by the time he got the sex talk, he 
he definitely, most definitely knew what sex was and how a baby was born because that happens whether parents explain it by lying to them or giving them a medical resource like my grandma did. Um, somewhere between then and actually having sex, I guarantee they found out some other way how a baby was born and what sex was and how it worked. Think back to when you were a kid. It most definitely happened. And you're probably cringing thinking about where you got your information from, which just furthers this point of why are we so afraid to talk about sex, especially especially just the logistics, just the basic logistics with our kids. But the other side of that coin of why we're so afraid to talk about it is the the female empowerment and the sexuality and sensuality of women. Eons ago, um, women were considered literally the source of life. And women have carried life. They protected the life. And the man really was only needed for about 30 seconds. Because no matter how good that man is in bed, when they ejaculate, it's like 30 seconds, right? Like that, that's, that is all that a male is needed in order to make a baby. And yet the woman is the epitome of carrying life. And if the cells don't combine in her body, then you won't have a baby. If the, the cells don't take in her body, and nestle in and make a home, you won't have a baby. Um, if the cells die sometime between being able to connect to each other and, and exiting that body, you don't have a baby. So it's just fascinating to me that at one point in history, women were considered um, the, the, the definite source of life. And in that same era, women's sexuality was extremely powerful. They, they didn't cover a lot of their bodies. They just kind of were, right? And the curvier a female was, the more biologically appealing she was because that meant that she was fertile and she could carry babies and, and continue on with human life. And as it progressed the more powerful women became in their sexuality and understanding that they wanted pleasure. There could be pleasure and, and almost in a sense, like tapping into the source itself because women can have multiple orgasms. Men cannot, they have to, they have to wait at least 30 minutes before each time. Whereas women can have orgasms like one right after the other if their partner or they are doing the correct stimulation. But that, again, that's something we don't talk about. That makes people very uncomfortable to have those conversations. And I don't understand why. Because at some point, when it became uncomfortable, it also became a bad thing for a woman to be considered sexual. She was fertile and that was it. She was not sensual or sexual she was she was a carrier. 
And at some point, the thought process shifted of the the men bringing life and the woman just being like the oven. Well, again, you cannot leave bread out on the counter and go, well, I made it. You may be able to eat it if it gets to 98 degrees inside this house again, but it'll slow cook for about three days. No, you still need the oven to bake the bread. So when women's sexuality and sensuality became super suppressed, so did all of the other sexuality. And people talk about homosexuality like it's a new thing from the 21st century. It's totally not. It's totally not. Like, like it's actually, I can't stop laughing when, when I have this conversation with people because I'm going, did you not know who the Greeks were and like what the Romans like to do? And I, I mean, even the Egyptians... Were you not paying attention that day in history class? There's there's a reason they call it a Greek orgy. Like there's legitimately a reason. It's not it's not just to be cute. So I'm <laughs> I find it hilarious that about the same time Christianity really took a rise. I know, I know. It's it's like I I'm I I don't mean to take constant jabs at Christianity, but here's the thing is I grew up around it. I've talked to a lot of people about it and, and I'm going, okay, that's great that you have a book that you want to follow, but most of you don't. So you can't preach from it. If you don't follow it, you can't say this is the way you need to be and then not act like Jesus. Like you can't, you can't, you can't do that. So so I kind of dig at Christians a lot. Well, Christianity, not Christians, not the people, but just the religion as a whole and how ridiculous it is. And, and not Christianity, but Catholicism, Christianity, like all the branches of it. Um, Jehovah's Witness, like I, they all branch from this weird, suppressive, oppressive, controlling, like thought process that doesn't make any sense. It, it, it doesn't make any sense at all because it's going against basic human nature. When, and, and sex therapists will tell you this, there's this whole movement of these, these women sex therapists that they call them like yoni exercises and um, orgasm classes, and I don't know. There's a whole there's a whole thing because suddenly, what was it like the seventies? No, because it was the exact same time that the civil rights movement was happening. White people call it the summer of love. Black people call it the Black Panther, the rise of the Black Panthers, and just to further highlight how deep-seated systemic racism is in our society. I digress. Um, the Summer of Love, 1968, the rise of the civil rights movement. Um, that's when all of a sudden sexuality became something you could talk about. Because the Summer of Love, they started having Greek orgies. 
and homosexuality was out in the open and nobody really cared right at the it at that point you had those people who were still freaked out about all of it and it was almost like this weird wave like it went up and everybody was more accepting and then suddenly the 80s hit and and it's like everybody became angry and bitter and greedy and cranky and hangry and all kinds of things and here we are today still dealing with all the shit from the 80s um but with all the rise of all of these classes for women's sensuality and sexuality, we still don't talk about it. We still don't, we still have awkward conversations with our friends and you need to drink like a bottle of wine before you can talk about different things. And you giggle about it through closed doors like everybody's not having sex. Like it doesn't feel good. And I'm not talking about those scenarios where for women it genuinely doesn't feel good. I'm talking about the fact that statistically only about one out of every 12 women actually have an orgasm on a one night stand. Men, you need to pay attention. Um, I'm talking about the fact that there are... There are women who have been married for 20 and 30 years who have never had an orgasm. What? Like, that's horrifying to me. It's horrifying to me. And part of the reason that they haven't had an orgasm is because we've, as a society, made it so uncomfortable to have conversations about sex and about what feels good to us and what the dangers of sex are, what the consequences of sex are. Because... A lot of people, when they do talk about it, they talk about either the extreme taboo things like toys and outfits and fetishes and I don't know, all of those things, or they they talk about it in venereal diseases and like all of the, the worst case scenarios, right? Molestation, rape, all of those things. So we either go to full-fledged fetish and quote-unquote weird stuff to the horrifying. Like there's no middle ground. There's there's no middle ground of saying, you know, this is this is what actually gets me aroused. Like why are those conversations not had? Because I can tell you from experience when the man or your partner actually takes time to figure out what your buttons are and what brings you pleasure, then sex for everybody is like 4 million times better. Like seriously. And yet we don't talk about those things. We don't tell our kids, not only do we not tell our kids until it's substantially, ridiculously, embarrassingly too late because we were uncomfortable about these questions that these kids had, that every human has had to go through, that they're learning, that they have things inside their body going, what is happening? Like, why why am I, why is my heart racing and all of this stuff is happening whenever he walks by? 
because honey, you're becoming aroused and that's what happens in your body. You get all Twitter pated and this is what happens. Not only do we not talk about that, but we don't talk about how to actually feel pleasure or pleasure someone else. And, and I know people right now, especially parents, are freaking out about this, this potential. Like, oh my God, I'm not going to have that conversation with my kid. But why not? Why not? Because what they're learning from is porn. Which, porn is designed for men. And men, I'm going to tell you right now, if that's where you're learning your shit from you're you're learning from another dude how to not under any circumstances pleasure the woman that you're with and i'm telling you right now if you figure out how to pleasure her she's going to want to pleasure you she's going to want more sex she's going to want to have sex with you a lot okay and yet We leave our teenage boys to their own devices and watch some god-awful thing like porn, which makes the, the girls miserable, and then they get older, and now they're men, and now they think because they've had sex with a couple of women, they're sex gods because women are also trained that, oh, we just need to fake it. We just need to fake orgasms because otherwise he's never going to finish and I just want to go to sleep, right? Like, I have the stories I hear from my friends are horrifying to me. And this this isn't just male-female relationships. Like, I've, I've had conversations with my gay friends talking about how their partner didn't either didn't reciprocate any pleasure or didn't know how to receive pleasure. And it actually like drove the relationship apart because we don't talk about that. And then we leave them to their own devices to discover on this, on the, on literally the worst possible way. I'm telling you right now, nothing that happens in porn, women enjoy. Not a single fucking thing. Not even those people who are in the movies are enjoying it. You want to know if you're too afraid to actually have a conversation with somebody or take a class, read a romance novel. Romance novels are sexy. Like they are high, high level erotica written by women for women. No, no, no. Not Fifty Shades of Grey. Nothing about Fifty Shades of Grey is real, accurate, appetizing, or desirable. If a woman says that she's really into Fifty Shades of Grey, what she's saying is she's interested in BDSM, but you sure as shit better do some research because what he does in Fifty Shades of Grey is actually abuse. Full-fledged abuse and control and gaslighting. There is nothing sexy or loving about that entire fucking series. So throw that out the window. Throw Pornhub out the window. Read a romance novel. Read Outlander. (laughs) The sex between Jamie and Claire in Outlander, that's what women want. I'm telling you right now, watch a European romance movie. 
if you're not going to talk about it, at least do what my grandma did and find a good resource to educate yourself from. Because not it's not just sad that we don't talk about this stuff more. It's it's embarrassing that we don't talk to our own children about it and then get mad at them for getting pregnant at 16 because, well, mom, you kind of missed the boat by three years. Like this would have been a good conversation to have while you were buying your daughter's first tampons, right? The first time you caught your son washing his sheets because he had a wet dream. That's when that conversation would have actually been valuable to that kid. But can you imagine how valuable it would be when they're adults? Like, stop thinking them of them as kids. Like, when they're adults, or if you are an adult and you're totally lost on sex, like, find a resource that isn't Pornhub. Because nothing about that is enjoyable. And and just going back to the beginning, if you actually understand both for men and women, LGBTQ, like all of the above, if you actually understand that women really are the source of life, that also means a direct connection to source. When you accept and help a woman see her sensuality and her sexuality, because I, I, I guarantee you most women, most women don't believe that they have that power. It's been conditioned out of us. We've been told for centuries that you show too much ankle Oh, you're, you're no longer, nobody can marry you. You can never have children. You're stained. You've had sex with more than one man, you slut. Like, what do you mean you enjoy sex for pleasure? Are you a prostitute? Like, this is how degrading it has been. God forbid women actually enjoy pleasure. I'm telling you right now. If you want to be a badass... Go to the good resources. And let's talk about this more. Thank you guys so very much for joining me today and for listening. If you loved this episode or hated it, I would love to hear your feedback. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at howtobeabadass-ish. And I look forward to talking with you guys again soon. Have a wonderful day.